Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight we are going to to begin with the 13th chapter of Second Samuel. Second Samuel, the 13th chapter. I give folks uh, time to find that. The 13th chapter of Second Samuel. Second Samuel thirteen. And I read a few verses and then we'll uh, we'll I, you know I share some thoughts with you. Hallelujah. Again, the 13th chapter of 2nd Samuel. Amen. Now, David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar, and Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Ammon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Ammon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jodadab. He was a son of David's brother, Shimea. One day, Jonah Badab said to Amnon, What's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonah Dab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend that you are ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feeds with her own hands. Okay, we're up to uh, verse number six now. Uh, so, Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said, asked him, please let my sister tomorrow come and cook my favorite dish. All right, as I watch. Then I can eat it from my own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's 
house to prepare some food for him. When Tama arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so that he could watch her make some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servant, so they all left. Then he said to Tamar, now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him, but as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, she cried, don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things aren't done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? And you would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please just speak to the king about me and he will let you marry me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. And she, since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. And suddenly Amnon loved turned to hate. And he hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tabar cried, sending me away now is worse than what you already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servant and demanded, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her, put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as it was a custom in those days for the king, virgin's daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head. And then, with her face in her hands, she went away crying. So I think we'll stop at verse 18. Uh, and uh, there's a lot to chew on here. So if we go back to verse number one. Now David's son Absalom, Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Abnon, her half-brother fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought that he could never have her. That's verses 1 and 2. <laughs> like I said before, there's a lot to chew on. So we go through it, a lot of lessons here, a lot to consider. Now, Amnon was David's eldest son. And he was really 
the heir apparent. He was next in line to become king of Israel. Now, Tamar and Absalom were from different parents. So he's, he's a half-brother, I'm known as, to Absalom. And he's, of course, a half-brother to Tamar. Now, <coughs> as we go through uh, these statements uh, very carefully and see what we can glean from them. Wasn't unusual, these are young people, for siblings to admire, even fall in love with each other. And they lived in relatively close quarters and um, Never to use, of course, being half-siblings as an excuse, but that also is a factor here. No excuse for what Amnon did, but this kind of suggested in the text that that might have been a consideration. You probably have seen or heard or read or whatever or known or suspected of young people, anybody for that matter, let's not just confine it to young people, falling madly, madly in love with another person, even if the person doesn't necessarily feel that way in reciprocity. Uh, Amnon, as this translation states, became obsessed with Tamar. Couldn't get a heart of his mind. And that's one of the issues that comes up in times, at times with obsession. Because one can be obsessed with something, and once they attain it, you know, the feeling that they had just completely leave them, it's a kind of weird feeling about conquering. Once you get something, you no longer have that drive about that thing anymore or in this case about that person as we saw later on. So a lot of things uh, feed into the story. And one of the most important thing is this guy is next in line to be king. Some other things, you know, uh, this story as so many stories are uh, of some strange twist to it um, and um, it kind of needed and you can see why permission from David their father for um, Tamar to come and cook for him several reasons for that 
um, they're part of the king household. He is Amnon, uh, next in line for the throne. They have servants who do those things. Servants will be cooking for Tamar, and servants will be cooking for Amnon. That's why later on in the story, uh, you see where he chased the servants out. So they could have cooked anything he wanted. Uh, and they had to obey what he told them, the servants, otherwise they would, would have been in big trouble. The question would come up. Obviously they knew what happened and the context of this story would suggest that's one of the reasons that, you know, David and news got back, news got out. The servants knew about it. From Tamar's response, obviously he's telling Amnon is being foolish. Is jeopardizing his lineage, uh, being next in line to the throne. He's not thinking correctly. And if he was that obsessed, which the different kind of obsession, one would suggest if he really wanted her as a wife, maybe David could arrange it. Now, now, now I know we're crossing into some territories there. Uh, well, um, it wouldn't be unheard of and it would be dependent on the society and depending on their customs and so forth uh, for half brothers and half sisters to be married. But if it was that very important to him, she gave him a way out. But obviously this obsession wasn't based on what we would consider love, or certainly he wasn't thinking about marriage. So this is not a romantic story by any means. This is a story of of, 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 of power and overpowering <laughs> rape as it's been described uh, over the years is often a crime of somebody using force and power over somebody else. It's a, it, it has not at all, very little to do with love and very little to do with also with, uh, with sex. Um, in the long run, the, you know, it has been stated that love is, a, is somebody being dominant, uh, being a bully uh, over somebody else. Uh, it's a perpetuate uh, a perpetuating of violence 
It has very little to do with love or desire. It has a lot to do with violence. So, Amnon, one would, one would say, well, he has all of this coming to him. He's going to be king of all of Israel. Why would he jeopardize it? Why would he take the chance of David being angry at him? Um, but is that part of the problem here? That he, in his mind, in his way of thinking, He's a powerful person. And yes, indeed, he was. Was it a part of a, an issue? We know that this is an androcentric society, but is it part of, 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 of people in position of power disregarding others who are less powerful than them. There are some sinister and cynical issues going on. If we would just bear with each other a while, because it'll take more than tonight to go through all the issues that, that we can think about that maybe uh, we're going on here, and in fact, we're going on here. Um, if we think about the fact that their father, David, has spent a good part of his life, for me, was a young man, for me, had the, the uh, battle with Goliath was exposed to a whole lot of violence. Is that an issue going on? Just before this segment, if we look at it in some chronological order, David is committing adultery and murder with one of his soldiers' wife. Bathsheba? Is, is, is Amnon, what's going on with Amnon and Tamar essentially much different from what went on with David and Bathsheba? How do we relate and tie these things together? And how does it affect I'm none. No, we're not trying to excuse wrong. We're not trying to excuse something very terrible, a crime of violence, of rape. We're not trying to make it right. But we are saying just about any circumstances we can think of particularly the big one, but the insignificant ones too. And even 
those of the terrible, terrible, terrible crime are not as isolated as sometimes it might seem on the surface. There's a whole lot of stuff going on with folk, emotionally and otherwise. Does it make it right? But, but before we, we start hollering and hollering, which we have every right to do, because sin is sin and there's no way around it. That's why we need Jesus. And that's why sometimes we say, thank God for Jesus, because we need mercy. Everybody in one way or the other. But what I'm saying, the Bible with David and some of the family things that we've been going through in the next several weeks, I want to keep a positive atmosphere, first of all, positive environment. I don't, I don't want people to be down. I don't, I, it, this is not for us to be down about. This is not tolerating, God forbid, admiring people for their sins and stuff like that. But what it does show us and it's remarkable in the case of David how God can use a sinful, pers sinful person in this sense. I, I don't even like the word used here. Tolerate a person in their sinful nature because of other assets and all the virtues, if you want to call them that, and they are, that that person may possess. But, but more than that, oh, God is willing to love folk, to embrace folk, in spite of who they are. And sometimes we need to ask ourselves, how come we find it so difficult? to see that and to understand that. It's not that we ain't gonna encourage people to do wrong. I'm kind of preaching a little bit tonight, but but just bear with me. It's, 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 it's not that we encouraging people to do wrong. Oh, accepting wrongs that people do. But if God, who is almighty is able to deal with that person. What about us? That's a rhetorical question. I'm not saying to let people step all over you, be a doormat, let people abuse you. I don't say that we should accept rape or murder or anything. We shouldn't even accept somebody stealing a loaf of bread. But the thing is, where is God in all of this? He continued to be loving, merciful, and kind. He, as, as we say, willing to look beyond our sins 
Now, as far as we know, and you know, Amnon never, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't become king. The king after David was Solomon. A whole lot of stuff is going to come on, come up later on about Absalom. So I want you to keep reading, keep reading. You know, when we stop tonight, then keep going reading. Read about Absalom. Because David, uh, his son, with Bathsheba that came out of that terrible, sinful situation of David, uh, Bathsheba's son with David, Solomon. Interesting name. Although it had a lot to do that he didn't have to be a warlike person like his father. David did all the war and he did all the killing that his son may inherit his kingdom, but not the other son, the firstborn of David, Amnon, and not the son with a similar name, not a half-brother, Absalom. My father is peace. How does God see peace? How does, how does peace enter into all of this violence? We really, really need to rely on God, His mercy and His grace, particularly in this case, His mercy how his wisdom and love and understanding penetrate the violence that human perpetuate on each other and, and, and just keep doing it over and over. We are so violent to one another. Why God is so loving to us. So as we close on a positive note, and I know I'm going to get back to tomorrow, next week, because as we close on a positive note, is that God knows all things and He sees all things. And He deals with it with His wisdom. So, if we seek wisdom in everything that comes up before us, God is showing us, yes, there are alternatives. There are other ways of dealing with issues other than meanness and violence and, and, and destruction and so forth. God would go along with it. Tomorrow said, our father would work out something. And we want to thank God that he's always working out something. But we have Jesus. And we have the guidance of the Holy Spirit 
to work it out with us. So there's a lot of lessons learned here tonight. Lots of lessons. Lots of lessons. God is not lifting up I'm on. He's saying these are the consequences of not doing what is right. He is not wanting us to admire God forbid I'm not. He's not wanting us to conclude that he got away with rape. But he does want us to see that he's loving and in spite of our intentions and so forth, God is still willing and he does bless us and he keep us, he give us a way out of the most terrible experiences that we could ever have or anyone will put on us. So often we look at this story in terms of Absalom, Amnon, Amnon, and Tamar. Jonadab and David and the crafty person Shimea. So often we look at them they are the protagonists in the story. But when we look at these stories, what we need to see is God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and his love for us. So like I said, there's much to chew on. But like I said, Maybe there's no better time than us to say, yes, thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.